Loving Father in heaven, glory be unto your name for giving us the joy of fellowshipping with you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and mercy in our lives, and we are grateful, Father, for the opportunity for us to learn from you and to be equipped with these spiritual blessings that prepare us for your coming. Dear Father, we pray for the gift of your Spirit upon every one of us that we may rightly divide the word of truth. We ask, Father, that you open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of thy law. We pray, Lord, that all we will learn, you will also give us the grace to put into practice and that you will give us the mind of Christ. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, September 18 Remember the poor If there be among you a poor man of one of thy brethren within any of thy gates in thy land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt open thine hand wide unto him and shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need. Deuteronomy chapter 15 verse 7 and 8 At times, following the return of the exiles from Babylon, the wealthy Jews had gone directly contrary to these commands. When the poor were obliged to borrow to pay tribute to the king, the wealthy had lent them money but had exacted a high rate of interest. By taking mortgages on the lands of the poor, they had gradually reduced the unfortunate debtors to the deepest poverty. Many had been forced to sell their sons and daughters into servitude, and there seemed no hope of improving their condition. No way to redeem either their children or their lands, no prospect before them but ever-increasing distress with perpetual want and bondage. Yet they were of the same nation, children of the same covenant, as their more favored brethren. As Nehemiah heard of this cruel oppression, his soul was filled with indignation. He saw that if he succeeded in breaking up the oppressive custom of exaction, he must take a decided stand for justice. With characteristic energy and determination, he went to work to bring relief to his brethren. The fact that the oppressors were men of wealth whose support was greatly needed in the work of restoring the city did not for a moment influence Nehemiah. He sharply rebuked the nobles and rulers and when he had gathered a great assembly of the people, he set before them the requirements of God touching the case. This record teaches an important lesson. The love of money is the root of all evil. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10. In this generation, the desire for gain is the absorbing passion. We were all debtors to divine justice, but we had nothing with which to pay the debt. Then the Son of God who pitied us 
paid the price of our redemption. He became poor, that through his poverty we might be rich. By deeds of liberality toward his poor, we may prove the sincerity of our gratitude for the mercy extended to us. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Remember the Poor. One of the points of reform that the people were in need of was in their social relations. God in his mercies made provision for the poor and laid the responsibility on the rich to be merciful to them. This law was given to call into action the precious graces of the Spirit, the generosity, mercy, kindness in man. Jesus said, the poor will always be among us, and this is always the case. Those who have been blessed with the ability to make wealth, and also with wealth, are not to have only themselves in mind, but also the worthy poor. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, Paul, speaking about this responsibility, puts it this way. He said, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needed. Did you get that? The motive for working is not supposed to be selfish but selfless. God works tirelessly on our behalf, and if we must reflect the image of God in us, we must learn to work, having in mind not just ourselves, but having in mind that there are those who are not blessed with as, as much skill as ourselves or who are not as favored as we are and perhaps they don't have as much ability to make wealth. Perhaps there is a difference in intelligence, difference in opportunity, difference in influence, difference in position, difference in your estate of life and your station altogether. Because of this, we will not all be on the same level as far as owning the possessions and the resources of this world is concerned. But that's not a problem as far as we follow the word of God. Understanding that there are those whose circumstances is not as favored as ours, that is another motive for us to work so that we can help. The commandments of God makes it a sin for us not to work in the first place. The fourth commandment enjoins upon every human being the responsibility of working for six days and resting on the seventh day. Idleness is a sin. This sin of being unproductive is so grievous that the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 8 that if any man provide not for his own and especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. In the book of Exodus chapter 22 verse 25, we are told, If thou lend money to any of my people that is poor by thee, thou shalt not be to him an usurer, neither shalt thou lay upon him usury. Now, I want to balance what we are studying here. Firstly, I have read 1 Timothy 5 verse 8 to show you how God views laziness and indolence. But the poor, there are some people who are poor not because they are indolent, not because they are lazy. And these are the people that I call the worthy poor. The spirit of prophecy calls them the worthy poor. They are not lazy. They are not indolent. Perhaps they have been incapacitated either by birth and they are they don't have the same physical qualities that others have and also maybe 
they are okay physically but they pass through some unfortunate event and they are laboring to see how they can meet up but it's not working out such people are to be helped but then the bible says that those who will not provide for their own who are lazy that they are worse than infidels to tell you how god views the matter of working for six days six days shall thou labor he says if you don't do that you are no representative of god you must put your hand to the plow you must work not for yourself alone like we saw in ephesians chapter 4 verse 28 motivated by a desire to help others that is um, a worthy motive for work not just for yourself but not even just for your immediate family but of course the bible says that is our main responsibility but to think of others who do not have as much as we have and then try to help them now god also gave provision for the worthy poor and he said that those who have resources if they lend money to any of them that it should not be to them as usurers again in leviticus 25 from verse 35 to 36 it says and if thy brother be waxing poor and fallen in decay with thee you see that means an unfortunate thing happens to this person then thou shalt relieve him yea though he be a stranger or a sojourner that he may live with thee take thou no usury of him or increase but fear thy god that thy brother may live with thee now there was a need for reform in the way the people related with themselves and in the way they conducted their business they were too shrewd they were too exacting they were so unfeeling and unkind without sympathy in their manner of labor and here is a point that nehemiah realized they needed a reform nehemiah chapter 5 reading from verse 1 says and there was a great cry of the people and of their wives against their brethren the jews for there were that said we our sons and our daughters are many therefore we take up corn for them that we may eat and live some also there were that said we have mortgaged our lands vineyards and houses that we might buy corn because of the dearth there were also that said we have borrowed money for the king's tribute and that upon our lands and vineyard yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren our children as their children and lo we bring into bondage our sons and daughters to be servants and some of our daughters are brought unto bondage already neither is it in our power to redeem them for other men have our lands and vineyards and i was very angry when i heard their cry and these words then i consulted with myself and i rebuked the nobles and the lead and the rulers and said unto them ye exact usury every one of his brother and i set a great assembly against them and i said unto them we after our ability have redeemed our brethren the jews which were sold unto the heathen and will ye even sell your brethren or shall they be sold unto us then held they their peace and found nothing to answer also i said it is not good that ye do ought ye not to walk in the fear of our god because of the reproach of the heathen our enemies i likewise and my brethren and my servants might exact of them money and corn i pray you let us leave off this usury restore i pray you to them even this day their lands their vineyards their olive yards and their houses also the hundredth part of the money and of the corn the wine and the oil that ye exact of them then said they we will restore them and will require nothing of them so will we do as thou sayest then i called the priests and took an oath of them 
that they should do according to this promise. Also, I shook my lap and said, So God shake out every man from his house and from his labor that performed not this promise, even thus be he shaken out and emptied. And all the congregation said, Amen, and praise the Lord, and the people did according to the promise. Amen. So here it is that Nehemiah did a work of reform in the way they related with themselves with respect to their businesses. There was something Nehemiah did that gave him force. If he was also exacting usury of the people, he would have no right to rebuke the nobles and rulers of the land. But he mentioned something that showed that he had every right to do that. In the book of Nehemiah 5, as we were just reading now, in verse 8, he said, And I said unto them, We, after our ability, have redeemed our brethren, the Jews, which were sold unto the heathen. And will ye even sell your brethren? Or shall they be sold unto us? This act he is saying, he's pointing to himself that he had done something. That he used his influence, that is the ability he's referring, referring to, whether his influence of position and his influence of wealth, what did he use it to do? To let the poor go free. The Jews that were sold to the heathen, he made them to be relieved and to be free. And now he's asking them, after we are setting them free, you are selling them again to yourself. Or should we, should you want to, should I relieve them? Should I pay you so that you will give me back my own brother, which is your own brother? That's what he was asking them. I am doing the work of setting our people free. While I am doing that, you are putting them into bondage again. And they are your brothers. That's what Nehemiah was saying to them. And this was what gave him the effrontery or the right to speak. Because his actions showed that he loved the people. His actions showed that he was different. He was not exacting usury. And he had the opportunity to do this, but he was not doing it. The lesson for us, as we read in devotion, is this. The love of money is the root of all evil. In the eyes of man today, this thing may not look evil, but we need to view things in the same light that the Lord views it, because this is really what the work of reform is. The people at this time were, were supposed to understand these things, but Nehemiah had to gather them to explain it to them that it is a violation of the law of God for them to give money on usury to their brothers. For us, what does this mean to us? It means that we must be careful how we treat those who are of the same faith with us, especially those who are poor, whether they are strangers or not, because we read it there that even if the person is a stranger, so that the person will leave. The real problem here was that the interest rate at which they, that which they exacted on the people was very unjust. It was done in such a way that they could not, they could never pay back. And brother was taking advantage of brother. This greed and this covetousness needed to be dealt with. So here it is that Nehemiah was doing a reform on the 10th commandment that condemns greed and covetousness. Ezra had already done things that had to do with the sixth, with the seventh commandment on adultery and a lot of reforms were taking place. And if we are not covetous, it will show in the way we treat our brethren. And I was talking about the worthy poor before. So how do we apply this to ourselves? Who are the poor that needs to be helped? Reading from Testimonies, Volume 1, page 272 to page 274, it explains clearly what this means. It says, Inquiries are often made in regard to our duty to the poor who embrace the third message. That is who 
become of the same faith with us and we ourselves have long been anxious to know how to manage with discretion the cases of poor families who embrace the Sabbath. But while at Roosevelt, New York, August 3, 1861, I was shown some things in regard to the poor. God does not require our brethren to take charge of every poor family that should embrace this message. If they should do this, the ministers must cease to enter new fields for the funds would be exhausted. Many are poor. From their own lack of diligence and economy, they know not how to use means aright. If they should be helped, it will hurt them. Some will always be poor. If they should have the very best advantages, their cases would not be helped. They have not good calculation and will use all the means they could obtain they could obtain were it much or little. Some know nothing of denying self and economizing to keep out of debt and to get a little ahead for a time of need. If the church should help such individuals, instead of leaving them to rely upon their own resources, it would injure them in the end, for they look to the church and expect to receive help from them and do not practice self-denial and economy when they are well provided for. And if they do not receive help every time, Satan tempts them, and they become jealous and very conscientious for their brethren, fearing they will fail to do all their duty to them. The mistake is on their own part. They are deceived. They are, the, they are not the Lord's poor. Hmm, so who is the Lord's poor? Okay. The instructions given in the word of God in regards to helping the poor do not touch such cases, but are for the unfortunate and afflicted. God in his providence has afflicted individuals to test and prove others. Widows and invalids are in the church to prove a blessing to the church. So, to get it clear, these are the people that need help. Widows and invalids and the unfortunate and afflicted. They are a part of the means which God has chosen to develop the true character of Christ professed followers and to call into exercise the precious traits of character manifested by our compassionate Redeemer. Many who can but barely live when they are single choose to marry and raise a family when they know they have nothing with which to support them and worse than this they have no family government. Their whole course in their family is marked with their loose slack habits. They have but little control over themselves and are passionate, impatient and fretful. When such embrace the message, they feel that they are entitled to assistance from their more wealthy brethren. And if their expectations are not met, they complain of the church and accuse them of not living out their faith. Who must be the sufferers in this case? Must the cause of God be sapped and the treasury in different places exhausted to take care of these large families of poor? No, the parents must be the sufferers. They will not, as a general thing, suffer any greater lack after they embrace the Sabbath than they did before. There is an evil among some of the poor which will certainly prove their ruin unless they overcome it. They have embraced the truth with their coarse, rough, uncultivated habits and it takes some time for them to see and realize their coarseness and that it is not in accordance with the character of Christ. They look upon others who are more orderly and refined as being proud and you may hear them say, the truth brings us all down upon a level. 
but it is an entire mistake to think that the truth brings the receiver down. It brings him up, refines his taste, sanctifies his judgment, and if lived out, is continually fitting him for the society of holy angels in the city of God. The truth is designed to bring us all up upon a level. The more able should ever act a noble, generous part in their deal with their poorer brethren, and should also give them good advice, and then leave them to fight life's battles true. But I was shown that a most solemn duty rests upon the church to have an especial care for the destitute widows, orphans, and invalids." End of quote. I believe that was very, very comprehensive to explain to us our duty to the poor and who is poor. Some people are not actually poor. What they are is that they are slack mismanagers and that is what has led them to be where they are. It's not that they are hardworking, but they are extravagant. They don't even know how to manage and such people make poor decisions getting a family when they shouldn't have one because they couldn't take care of themselves before getting married and they couldn't then that was the evidence that they shouldn't have a family they should have waited till they were able and if they were not able to remain as they were until they can take care of themselves and then think about taking care of another person and then children but some people make terrible decisions and then think that those who are wealthier than themselves have a responsibility to take care of them after they have made poor choices. We can help nevertheless for such people because what they need is not money. What they need is good advice. What they need may be some empowerment to give them skill that can help them to sustain themselves and the lesson they most need is the lesson of economy. But then over to the real people who are neglected. Who are the unfortunates? Like I've mentioned, some people who may have engaged in certain businesses, they were they are hardworking, perhaps they lost what they had through natural causes. They lost their wealth through getting sick. They lost their wealth through maybe human uh, risks, which is things like they were robbed or unjustly treated somewhere and they lost everything these people are unfortunate and then there are widows that are destitute not all widows are in need of help some are destitute and they are in need of help and then there are orphans and then there are invalids the invalids are those who have the physical defects some people are blind some are lame some are sick in one way or another and they cannot be useful to take care of themselves as they want to these people are placed around us for us to develop the character of Christ. If you are the type who has the wealth and the resources, God has placed these people around you to call out the precious traits of character of God in you. You know something? God, the angels did not know about his mercy until there was a sinner. And then they now saw another side of God, that he is a merciful God. And also, they didn't know about his justice until there was a sinner who failed to repent like Satan and then he was cast out. The character of God is revealed through situations and that is what he expects us to do. He creates certain situations around us so that those characters can be called out and cultivated in us. Without the poor, the 
character of empathy, sympathy, kindness, joy, love, of selflessness will not be called out in us. The character of mercy will not be called out without people who are owing you debts. If people owe you debts, what do you do? Exact it of them like these nobles in Israel? You can, if you will, choose to offset it and forget about the debt. Why? Because we remember that we also are debtors to God and as He forgave us, we can also forgive the debts of others. Reading from Testimonies, Volume 1, page 494, paragraph 3 says, Those to whom God has entrusted means should provide a fund to be used for the benefit of the worthy poor who are sick and not able to defray the expenses of receiving treatment at the institution. There are some precious worthy poor whose influence has been a benefit to the cause of God. A fund should be raised to be used for the express purpose of treating such of the poor as the church where they reside shall decide are worthy to be benefited. Now that's for those who are sick. And then there are others. The same thing applies like the widows and the rest. Reading from Welfare Ministry, page 179, paragraph 1, it says, There is no question in regard to the Lord's poor. They are to be helped in every case where it will be for their benefit. God wants his people to reveal to a sinful world that he has not left them to perish. Special plans should be taken to help those who for the truth's sake are cast out from their homes and are obliged to suffer. So I'll stop here. So part of the Lord's poor are those who because of the truth's sake are suffering. Because they chose to keep God's commandments, they are not well placed or placed in a favorable position to make wealth and they are poor. So it's very important we take note of these things. Going on in the reading, it says, More and more there will be need of large, open, generous hearts, those who will deny self and will take hold of the cases of those very ones whom the Lord loves. The poor among God's people must not be left without provision for their wants. Some way must be found whereby they may obtain a livelihood. So empowerment is important. It's not just giving them money, but help them to earn a livelihood for themselves. It goes on to say, some will need to be taught to work. Others who work hard and are taxed to the utmost of their ability to support their families will need special assistance. We should take an interest in these cases and help them to secure employment. There should be a fund to aid such worthy poor families who love God and keep His commandments. Care must be taken that the means needed for this work shall not be diverted into other channels. It makes a difference whether we help the poor who through keeping God's commandments are reduced to want and suffering or whether we neglect these in order to help blasphemers who tread underfoot the commandments of God. And God regards the difference. Sabbath keepers should not pass by the Lord's suffering needy ones to take upon themselves the burden of supporting those who continue in transgression of God's law, those who are educated to look for help to anyone who will sustain them. This is not the right kind of missionary work. It is not in harmony with the Lord's plan. Wherever a church is established, its members are to do a faithful work for the needy believers. But they are not to stop here. They are also to aid others irrespective of their faith. As a result of such effort, some of these will receive the special truths for this time. Through circumstances, some who love and obey God become poor 
Some are not careful. They do not know how to manage. Others are poor through sickness and misfortune. Whatever the cause, they are in need. And to help them is an important line of missionary work. End of quote. Did you get the point? The number one people to consider are those who are poor because they have kept the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus and it has led them to hard times because they lost their job or could not get an education because they chose to do right. They would not want to cheat. They would not want to um, follow others in unscrupulous means of making money. And there are others who it is just because they have chosen to keep God's commandments that they have been cast out from their homes. Wives who their husbands have thrown away. Children who their parents have denied and disowned them because they chose to keep God's commandments. They are to be first priority. It is not to give blasphemers and people who are not uh, the Lord's poor now because there's something called the Lord's poor. These are not the Lord's poor that we then have as our first consideration. While those people are to be considered, the first consideration should go to the Lord's poor. To get it clear again, the definition of the Lord's poor are those who are poor, not because of their laziness, but they keep God's commandments, they are not lazy, and they have fallen into misfortune or they have been on account of keeping God's commandments kept in a situation where they cannot fend for themselves. Such people should be considered first, while it is that we should also consider others who do not necessarily um, share the same faith. But first priority, like the Bible said, your own household. That's what the Bible says, that you should first of all take care of your own household especially your own household. So, this is an important point of missionary work. Another thing that we saw Nehemiah do was how he thought about the people above himself. He did not ask for all his rights because he saw that the people could not give. He already had enough. They could not sustain him. He is the one that needed to sustain them. Even though it was his right to receive some kind of gifts from them, it was by law, but he did not exact that right. Why? He had more than the people. So there was no need for that. Reading Nehemiah 5 from verse 14, it says, Moreover, from that time, I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah. From the 20th year, even unto the 2 and 30th year of Artaxerxes the king. That's how many years now? For 12 years. 20th year to the 32nd year. 12 years. He says, I was appointed as governor. Now look at what he did. That is 12 years. I and my brethren have not eaten the bread of the governor. But the former governors that had been before me were chargeable unto the people, and had taken of them bread and wine beside the forty shekels of silver. Yea, even their servants bear rule over the people, but so did not I, because of the fear of God. Yea, also I continued in the work of this wall, neither bought we any land, and all my servants were gathered thither in unto the work. Moreover, they were at my table and hundred and fifty of the Jews and rulers, beside those that came unto us from among the heathen that are about us. Now that which was prepared for me daily was one ox and six choice sheep. Also fowls were prepared for me, and once in ten days store of all sorts of wine. Yet for all this required not I the bread of the governor, because the bondage was heavy upon these people. Think upon me, my God, for good, 
according to all that I have done for these people. Amen. This is exactly what we should do. We have to consider that it's not all the time that we should take our rights. That because we are not to use the gospel as something we are using to enrich ourselves. And this is something some pastors should consider. Pastors over certain members and you know that your members are not doing as well as yourself. Yet these same people return tithes, will also return offerings to the same leaders. It is not wrong for Nehemiah to have been living the way he was. He was okay. And that doesn't mean that the pastors cannot also take care of themselves because there are some poor people. But at least you can see example an example here that Nehemiah did not exact his rights from them on receiving gifts and all of that. He decided to let it go. The, his rights, the bread of the governor, he kept. He said, no, no, no worries, just keep it. I'm not taking it. Why? He gave his reason that the bondage was heavy on the people. They were poor. I once met a man. He was homeless. And, well, I wouldn't really say he was homeless. He was living in a completed building, which he said is his own house. He's not married, but he's just staying there. You would see him and think he's a madman, but he's not. And on studying the Bible with him, he said that this is the problem he has with leaders of churches. That they will collect offerings and tithes from people who are sick and about to die. And those pastors will collect it from them and then be telling them to go and work and tell them that they, con- they should continue to give their tithes and their offerings while they do nothing to relieve these poor people, the widows. He was mentioning a widow. He told me a story of a widow, how the woman was grinding in poverty and yet she will give her offering. The pastor will take it but will do nothing to relieve the woman. It is not that she is not to give her offering because she ought to do that, everyone, because you are giving it to God. But it is the responsibility of the leaders that I'm talking about. Nehemiah gives us an example of how we should consider the situation of the poorer class of people, the widows, the orphans, those who are invalids, who are incapacitated physically, those who have had misfortunes happen to them, and those who on account of their obedience to God's commandments are placed in unfavorable situations and cannot make as much money as others. And when people owe us money, that's another lesson we learn from here. What do you do? We remember God as he forgave us our debts. Matthew 6 verse 12, we usually use this as sin. But look at what Jesus said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We interpret it many times, he forgives our sin as we forgive those who trespass against us. But the word here is debts. So it is not just referring to sins. We need to learn to forgive people their debts and not exact it on them, especially when you see that they are poor and they are just trying to make ends meet. When you see that, don't some people even want to collect interest, which is what these people were doing. They were collecting interest and the people had sold their daughters, their sons to the nobles of the land and the rulers of the land and these men were not even thinking that this is my brother that is selling his own brother to me. They went too far and Nehemiah brought about a reform in it. And we need to bring about a reform even among ourselves. Not necessarily in the matter that people are selling their brothers and sisters to each other, but in the sense that we need to be able to make a fund to help those who on account of keeping God's commandments have waxen poor, and those who are invalid, and the widows, and the orphans, and those who are physically incapacitated. We need to do something about it. And then in the matter of debts, 
we remember that we are to forgive those who owe us and they cannot pay. And when you see clearly, you are doing well. You have money. Some people, they have all the wealth, but just because it is their money they give to someone, they don't need it, but they want to collect it back. Even when they see that that person who they are collecting it from is not doing so well, is not doing so fine, yet they want to collect the money from the person. Is that Christ-like? The story of the unforgiving servant is what applies to such situations. And if we don't forgive people their debts, will God forgive us our debts? Some people may owe us money. We also owe God. If we want God to forgive us what we owe Him, then we should learn to forgive people what they owe us. Not just forgiving them for when they offend us, but forgiving them their debts as regards to resources, as regards to money. We should learn to forgive people their debts. The unforgiving servant in Matthew 18 verse 21 tells us the story. Jesus said, um, then Peter, the story goes this way. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often should, we, should my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee, but until seven times, but until seventy times seven. And so Jesus told this parable of a man who was owing a king ten thousand talents, who begged the king and said to him, I will pay you, have mercy upon me. And the king was moved with compassion and forgave him his debt. But that same servant saw someone who was owing him, guess what, hundred pence. And this man said, I will not forgive you and he locked up the man in prison and in not forgiving the debt the Lord remembered the man and also locked him up and said until you pay I will not forgive you since you locked somebody up for not uh, paying his debt and you did not forgive him this man had been forgiven 10,000 talents and the other person owed him 100 Christ subject lessons page 245 paragraph 2 says but he who had been so mercifully treated dealt with his fellow laborer in an altogether different manner his debtor made an appeal similar to that which he himself had made to the king but without a similar result how many are today manifesting the same spirit when the debtor pleaded with his mercy with his lord for mercy he had no true sense of the greatness of his debt he did not realize his helplessness he hoped to deliver himself have patience with me he said and i will pay thee all so there are many who hope by their own works to merit god's favor they do not realize their helplessness they do not accept the grace of god as a free gift but are trying to build themselves up in self-righteousness their own hearts are not broken and humbled on account of sin and they are exacting and unforgiving towards others their own sins against god compared with their brother's sins against them are as ten thousand talents to hundred pence nearly one million to one yet they dare to be unforgiven end of quote suffice to say that god has given us steps on what to do when people owe us or not even when people owe us alone but when we see the poor if people are indebted to us we are to learn to forgive those who are indebted to us so that the lord also will forgive us and we should take advantage of the worthy poor among us so that that image of god we have been praying for every morning i pray and i say lord teach us so that your image will be reflected in us god brings out situations and experiences around us so that that character of his will be brought out in us and what is the character i'm referring to today it is a character of mercy the character of love kindness generosity how can you be generous if everybody is wealthy 
There has to be someone who is not like yourself, who God has placed there for the purpose of bringing out the character of generosity, mercy and kindness and benevolence in you. And he has written it down as a law and told us this is what we should do. Let us not be close and covetous. Let us not just think of our own family members alone, but the worthy poor. They are of more value than those who are not the Lord's poor. And then even those who are not the Lord's poor, we can help with advice. We can help to, to, uh, to bring them into a better situation and thereby lead them to Christ. May the Lord bless us as we do this. Let us pray. Dear Lord in heaven, so many times we have left the worthy poor and not taking care of them like we should. Please forgive us and I pray that that character of generosity will be revealed in us. That we may take advantage of the situations that surround us to help those who are in need. Especially those who on account of the commandments of God are are placed in unfavorable conditions or are unfortunate or the widows and the orphans i pray lord even the invalids please give us grace that as we have whatever we can that we should use to assist may your love and your grace be upon us and we may perform this in jesus name i pray amen Much misery, I reach out 